0: This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Mostly What God Does, Reflections on Seeking and Finding His Love Everywhere. Written and narrated by number one New York Times best-selling author and broadcast journalist Savannah Guthrie. Available now everywhere you get audiobooks. Before we begin today's episode, I want to advise caution. Today's conversation discusses child abuse, sexual abuse, and human trafficking, and could be triggering for some listeners. Welcome to the Grace Enough podcast. I am your host, Amber Cullum. Today, I sit down with speaker, singer, and survivor, Sonia Bruner. Sonia is the founder of 50 Shades of Grace, a ministry that helps people deal with with the pain of their past and those impacted by physical and sexual abuse. Sonia leads her ministry from a place of personal experience. Something I appreciate about our conversation is Sonia's openness in sharing the painful parts of her story and the redemption she has experienced through the love of Jesus. She says, My story is 50 shades of hurt and pain. Then Jesus rescued me and changed my life. What Jesus did was create a canvas of love and hope, and my life became 50 shades of grace. If Sonia's story speaks to you today, would you take a moment and share it with a friend? Good morning, Sonia, and welcome to the Grace Enough Podcast.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here today.
0: Yes, it's going to be a great conversation, just an opportunity to dig into your story a little bit, and I know you have a lot of things to share with us, and so as we dive in, go ahead, tell everybody a little bit about yourself, your family, and what you do on a day-to-day basis.
1: I'm Sonia Bruner, and I'm a mom of two boys. I'm also a pastor's wife, Pastor Bruner. I I talk about him a lot. Um, We are on staff here at at a church here in Oklahoma City as the family and children's pastor. He's bivocational, which is our first gig as bivocational. I have a lot to talk about that. We can talk about that later, but we, that's our current assignment for Jesus. I also have a ministry called 50 shades of grace. I travel all over the country. I lead worship, um, do a lot with music and then also share my story and speak, um, and, and help people deal with the pain in their past.
0: Well, and that's what we're going to dive into a bit today. I mean, family is this thing that we all, uh, even if you don't have it, what we think about it is it should be safe. It should be this place where we thrive. It should be this place where we run to when things are going you know, crazy in our lives everywhere else. But your life was anything but that growing up. And so will you take us back, share a little bit about your childhood. Like what was it like for you growing up?
1: Well, I I had a single mom and she was, I talk about this a lot. She was lonely and lost and looking for love. And she found that in really unhealthy ways through men, lots of different men. My childhood was hard to, I always try to share with people that it's one thing to grow up and, and we all have ideology of, you know, mom and a dad and grandparents and all of that but i didn't have that my mom was really a loner and she had been hurt by her family so she took us and left and so Mm -hmm. that's what kind of set up because things are cyclical is is why i mentioned that and so that kind of set us up to become that very story right that she had and so she was on her own and looking for love and found that tried to find that in relationships with different men, and one in particular, uh, she would leave me with him when she would go to work, and um, he was really actually very sweet, played Barbies with me, told me I was beautiful, said that he loved me, first man ever to tell me he loved me, and I remember thinking, you know what, this must be what it's like to have a daddy, and that was kind of my first experience with, with having a man in the house, And little did I know that that kind of love would change the entire course of my life. Um, It started with hands that lingered too long, lips that touched places in a five-year-old that should never be touched. And it kind of escalated from there. Um, The thing about a story like mine, and there's so many different ones, right? Mm -hmm. We all have stories is that it doesn't start out hurtful. I think it's really important for um, listeners to understand that it doesn't always start out scary. It starts out groomers. That's what I call him. They will have you sit on their lap and it can be tickling. And as a parent, I have tickled my kids, but there's a big difference in what a groomer does and what a typical, you know, grandparents, parents do. Um, And it exactly starts with a hand that lingers too long on a body part Mm -hmm. that shouldn't be touched lips, then find places and, and escalates. Right. And so a lot of people will say, you know, I bet you were scared. Actually, as a little girl, I didn't know any different. That was right. normal to me. And so, you know, it kind of escalated from there when it did get scary. And I did, I would protest and cry and, and say no, and and be afraid. That is when the threats came. Hmm. If you don't do this, I will hurt you and your mom. Hmm. And I remember specifically my mom had left me with him and she went to work. And when she came back, he purposely picked a fight with her and I watched him. I bet I was about five years old. I watched him pick a fight with her and he beat her in the face over and over until she slumped to the floor.
0: Oh my
1: gosh. And in that moment, when a child sees something like that, it, it can change your entire being. It can change everything, you know. Um, And that's when you make a decision to survive or to just crumble. And so um, I'm a survivor for sure. And it was in that moment when he looked at me and said, you did this, this is your fault. I knew that I was going to do whatever he said. Mm -hmm. And that's how my life went from five on. And so I learned really quickly that love hurts and it's probably not real. And if it is real, it's going to hurt you, right? And so I remember describing it this way. I remember feeling stripped of human emotion. So my childhood was stripped of human emotion. I was no longer human and I needed to do that in order to survive and to get through what I did. And I remember my lowest point came when I was probably six years old at this time. So a year had been going on where this was, I thought everybody's households were like this. I thought everybody went through that and he sold me to other men mm. who paid to have sex with me and in not your just own one. own home? Actually, no, I don't, I can't remember ever being in the apartment that my mom and I shared. He would take me to the place that he lived oh. and then they would come over from there. But see- so many women who are in dating relationships that have kids will do that. They're just trying to make it right. They're just, they have a job and there's their partner, their boyfriend, and they leave the kids with them. And I'm not saying everybody, cause I never want put, to put everybody in the same pocket. Right. right. But, mm-hmm. but that is where trouble can start is somebody who is not related to that person. Somebody who's not, mm-hmm. hasn't been in the picture very long. Um, unless you know that person really well and they've proven themselves to be mm-hmm. their character and who they say they are, things can happen. So that's where that took place. And I just remember I had this one gentleman, I share this story because it, it, it just is such a picture because I still, to this day, will have people come up to me when I share my story and I speak all over, right? They'll say, I just never knew this was happening. Mm. And I'm an American girl Yeah. with all different walks of life, every color of skin hurt me, every walk of life, every age bracket hurt me. Um, We want to put compartmentalized things um, like this, because our brains can't really handle it, right? And so we want to just say, well, it's because of this, or it looked like this, or this is what this is, only a certain type of man or woman would do this to a kid. Mm, We can't really do that, because it was all different all, all different people for me, and I remember one specific time um, there was a gentleman there. He he actually was very handsome. I remember specifically thinking, oh, okay, someone's nice here. Somebody's going to be nice to me. And he looked me right in the eye, and you could see the torment in his face. You could see oh. the the turmoil. And he took off his t-shirt and he covered my face and then raped me.
0: Oh my gosh!
1: And so that is my childhood. My childhood was this is what love is hurt.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: People will ask me then what, you know, what happened when your mom found out. Well, that's what I was going
0: to say. Like, I mean, how did, like this whole time, how long did it take her actually?
1: Years, Mm. actually years in that relationship. And what was so hard is he, he was abusive. He beat her a lot, even though she didn't know this was happening to me. She stayed in a relationship that was not healthy herself. And so Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's just so many, there's so many question marks. Right. Um, And we all have reasons why we do what we do. But I remember her asking me one day out of the blue, she said, is this man hurting you? And I said, yes. And I never saw him again. Although that sounds great. It didn't take very long. And she blamed me for ruining her chance at happiness. That was the love of her life. And so she blamed me. You're a dirty girl. You asked for it. You must have seduced him. Okay. I'm about nine years old at this time. So it's been happening for about four, four years.
0: Mm.
1: I don't even know what that word means. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: have no idea what seducing a man would be. Right. right. But she twisted that in her head and then blamed me and then beat me. And that's when the beatings and the abuse from my mom, at my mom's own hands started with me. And just, I mean, all I heard as a child was nobody will ever love you. Mm you're not worth anything. You're a dirty girl. Only dirty girls have stuff like that happen to them. So there was an intense, firm belief that I had done something compared to the other good children. I had done something that was bad because only bad girls do stuff like that. Even well, though that stuff was done to me, but it, it in my brain, it translated to, I must be bad because I did that.
0: Well, absolutely. I mean, that's the way the human brain oftentimes works, right? Like right. we, we take on what people who are supposed to be caregiving for us, whatever they're putting on us. We do take that on. I mean, that forms our very brains. And so exactly, you said my mom took us where there, did you have siblings in the home with you at this point?
1: No. And to my knowledge, I've never had a brother or sister. I don't, I don't, there are no other okay. kids. So I'm an only child.
2: God is a genius storyteller. And the evidence of this is threaded throughout scripture. These stories will spark holy curiosity in your own faith, because once you see these connections, you can't unsee them. God wastes no person, place, or thing. Listen and subscribe to Holy Curiosity with Kat Armstrong on your favorite podcast platform.
0: You get to 12 years old, and I know it sounds like Your mom didn't beat you, didn't do any of those kinds of things until you were nine. And then nine to 12, it was mainly just you and her. Right. What took place that like set you free from this, obviously severe abuse that you're experiencing?
1: So. Back in those days, we would have telephones that had cords or receivers. Mm-hmm. You could twist mm-hmm. off the cord. And that was one of the ways she would go to work, but she'd keep me in my, in my house. And I was not allowed to leave my little, we had a two-bedroom apartment. I was not allowed to leave the bedroom where I'd be beat. That was the rule. Um, I was very malnutritioned. I didn't have a lot of food. I never could come out of the room with her being home. I could never be in her presence. And the only time I ever saw my mom, basically from nine years old on, was to beat me like oh she, she just did kind of did that daily. And so I was really lonely. I remember, I remember feeling really lonely and just kind of thinking this is it. I mean, this is, were gonna you be going it to school? But I was going to school okay. until the beatings got too much where there was too mm-hmm. much markings. Yeah. And then she would keep me home. And the school system actually sent, um, a teacher over, but my mom punched her in the face. <gasps> and so the next time, um, somebody came back, it was a, it was the teacher, or actually a social worker and and a a man, yep. And a a man, a detective. My mom was really intimidated by men, didn't like them at all. So the beatings were severe. She kept me home. She'd take pieces of the phone with her. So there was no dial tone. So I couldn't call for help. Um, I was about two weeks away from turning 12 years old. The lady had been to the house, had been punched. The social worker and the detective came back and said, you know they sat me down with my mom she was kitty corner from me within two feet of me which is a huge mistake that law enforcement does that's huge questioning the victim in front of the perpetrator right. you're not is gonna never tell the a truth. good situation yep you're not gonna tell the truth you can't because it's survival mode mm-hmm. and they said Are, is she doing these things to me i said no which led to an additional six or seven months of of abuse at her hands And the neighbors, we lived in an apartment complex and the neighbors could hear her throwing me against the wall. They could hear it. They could hear the abuse going on and would call the police. And so like, it was severe. I remember I was sitting on my bed. She had been in to beat me really bad. I was hurting worse than normal. So I wonder, I'm almost wondering if something was sprained or or not broken, but sprained for sure. And, and I said these words out loud, God, if you're real, help me. Because when I had asked my mom, you know, do we believe in God? Why don't we go to church? She said, Well, God's never done anything for us. We're not doing nothing for Him. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of the atmosphere in our home where we, you we know, God wasn't a part of it. That's why when I'm sitting there broken and beaten, and I said, God, if you're real, help me. The very next day, I was starving at this point, so I snuck out of my room to um, try to find something to eat, and the I, for some reason, I looked. At the phone.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: For some reason, I looked at the phone and I went to the phone and I heard a dial tone. Oh, wow. I called the police. 11 years old, I called the police. Yeah. And I was little. So when the lady said, I said, Is Detective Wakefield there? She said, No, I'm sorry. He's on a call. I didn't know that my situation was an emergency. I just think that's so precious because I was trying to be grown up. I was trying to be like, you know, polite. And nice. I left a message, but here's the problem. What's going to happen when my mom comes home mm-hmm. and the phone rings and she sees I've been out of my room. Well, I'm going to be beat. That's right. But there's no, no there's no doubt about it. So I left a message and went back to my room and basically I share, I waited to die. And the reason I, 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 I pretty much knew as a kid that I would die at her hands. I just, I just knew it. I felt it deep inside. So I was like, I think, I think that's what's going to happen. And I'm so sad to say that I was okay with that because it was better than how I was living. So that just kind of tells you what was my childhood like? Yeah. Very hopeless, very desperate, very sad for sure. And so she comes home from work and the phone rings and I hear her voice say, Sonia, your friend is on the phone. Oh no. And I'm like, she hasn't talked nice to me in Years. So I was like, okay, ooh. So I go out, I answer the phone, and I have this big fake smile on my face. And I hear his voice, Sonia, are you okay? And I said, no. And he said, I'll be right there. So I hang up the phone. And the miracle is she didn't say a word to me. She was really hateful with her words. She didn't say a word to me. She didn't lay a hand on me. Oh, wow. I went back to my room and I sat on the bed. Five or 10 minutes later, I hear this big commotion at the door, a lot of cursing going on. <laughs> And all of a sudden my bedroom door flies open and it's Detective Wakefield. And this boy was big. He was probably a good 350, 400 pounder. He looked like Hulk Hogan with the mullet.
0: Right. And there he stood
1: in the door. I mean, I tell, I share this a lot because I'm so pro law enforcement big time. And he stood in the door, da, 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 Detective Wakefield. And this is what's really important too. And I'm so glad you're videoing this too, for those of you that can't see sad for you, but (laughs) it's really good. This is a picture of Jesus and this is how I started this whole thing. I'm broken and battered. I had just called the police on my own parent. Nobody loved me, nobody cared about me. This guy comes in, he didn't have to say a word. He saw me for who I was. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to do anything. All he had to do was this. reach out to him. and all I did is this. yeah. and that's the gospel. Mm. That is the gospel. People think they have to do things and jump through hoops and clean up and do this and do that. That's not who Jesus is. Je- mm-hmm. You could never clean up enough for our God.
0: That's right.
1: He takes you just as you are and works with that that's and right. does spectacular, beautiful grace upon shades and shades and shades and shades and beautiful colors of grace, 50 mm. shades at least of grace. Oh. So that that's my story. That is literally my story. I got rescued, was put in foster care and- that the rest is history.
0: Well, and that's the thing. I mean, not everybody's foster care story is that and I don't necessarily want to dive into that, but I do want to know like how did you end up coming to meet Christ? And I mean, you have great things to say about your foster care experience if
1: Yeah, I mean, it definitely was it, it was safe, I'll say that. Mm-hmm. It was safe. It wasn't um, physically abusive. I they took me to church. Church was really freaky. The kids were weird. The church people were weird, but they smelled good. And I remember there was a, a gentleman, his name was Mr. Gene. I'm walking in, think about it. I'm now 12 years old because I had been in a group home for a couple of weeks till they found me a place to stay. Right. I have slept with so many men oh, God. at this point. I am a 12 year old going on 27. Like walking in the door of a church for the first time, Mm -hmm. can you imagine the parents like, oh my goodness, let's, let's keep our kids away from her, like keep our husbands away from her, right? I mean, let's just be real like it like, that's, that's it. And so I walk in and I always had this joy. I will say that I'm a really bubbly, like joyful, fun person. And I had that, and I know Jesus gave that to me as a kid, and it just, I was born with it, and I know that's from him. So when I came to church, I certainly was quiet and very distrusting of people, completely stripped of emotion, right? But there was Mr. Gene, and Mr. Gene looked me right here. His Mm -hmm. eyes never lowered below here. He was an older gentleman. He reached in, he was greeting at the door that day, and he handed me a piece of gum and said, you are the most beautiful girl I've ever seen. Thank you for being here today. I hope you have a great day. And that was it. I went to the youth group. I was I went just going into seventh grade. If that wasn't the hardest thing ever, hardest time in your life to be oh transitioning from, from what I went through, to I'm telling you, it's a miracle I'm even like here today. Yeah. But I went to this event with our youth group and it was the guy who wrote Crossing the Switchblade. I can't think of his name. Anyway, he was he was at this arena for youth and was talking about, we all have a choice to make. We either go our own way or we go with God and it's our choice. Jesus weeps when we're weeping and he never wanted those hard things to happen to us. And I remember feeling ticked off, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: like this rage that I can't even describe. If you're so loving, how could you have let those things happen to me? And what I I like to share with people is I had to get real. That was the truth. Mm -hmm. I was mad. I was ticked off and I was very distrusting of God. Yeah. I mean, is he even real? Cause how would you let, if he, if he is God, why would he let that happen? And I told him the truth. That's the first thing. I, I think the biggest thing, the success to my relationship with him is I told him the, the good, the bad, and the ugly, the truth.
0: It's the and best way if, to be. Mm-hmm.
1: Talk about dealing with crud. I mean, I, he literally forced me even coming to know him. Let's deal with it, lady. Let's do it, girl. We got, we got to get real. Yeah. And so I did, I, I felt something's kind of break crack in mm. my heart and I could feel in a, in the best way possible. I could feel him drawing me to him. And when we got to the part of that message where he said, if you want to make Jesus the boss of your life, I want you, I want you to come forward and you're going to do that. And I did, I mean, I feel like I levitated. <laughs> I didn't, but I feel like I did <laughs> right, right. to the front and I threw myself on my knees and hundreds of kids were for went forward and I was all by myself and I went forward and I did it I I mean I I literally asked Jesus to be the Lord of my life and when I opened my eyes my entire youth youth group was on their knees we had about 30 kids in the youth group and they Mm. were there weeping it's just such a beautiful picture and in that group was pastor Ricky McCotty Hot Hot so I've literally known my husband since before I was human to when I got saved. Um, He's been with me the whole time, like literally the whole day, de- the whole way. And so just so cool what God does.
2: That's cool. And
1: teenage years were hard. I certainly pressed the envelope. I was boy crazy. That had a lot to do with my past and the switch was flipped early on in my life. So I was, yeah. I was always testing the boundaries and I, you know, was doing the church thing and and growing in the Lord. That's the, that's the thing that kept me as I was devouring scripture because i i really want to know who this jesus dude was and it really did tr- change my life but i still had to learn he had a lot to reprogram this is what love is this is what it isn't mm-hmm. and healthy boundaries and this is what a lady in jesus looks like and acts like and does um, these are the things that will help you to grow in a spiritual way. These are the things that could hurt you if you pursue them anymore. Mm-hmm. And I had to learn all that, right? You know, I had to learn what a family looked like, a mom right. and a dad. And and I learned that through my my foster home to some degree. You know, there was a lot that I learned in those days. But again, it all came back to being real with Jesus, given my heart and my life. If you can think about how difficult that would have been to trust somebody I cannot oh. see with my entire being
0: Mm
1: -hmm. willingly. Usually it was forced upon me, right? It was taken from me, but I willingly gave it, which is what Jesus demands.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And he could work with that. So did
0: you stay with the same foster family until you aged out? Until I was 18.
1: Yep. Okay.
0: That's incredible because that also doesn't happen that
1: often. Exactly. And it was not, like I said, it was not abusive. They were good people. It it was really good.
0: Talked about this a little bit. I mean, we come to know Christ and it is this slow process. Yes, we are immediately a new creation in him. So his blood covers us, his righteousness covers us, but it is a lifelong process to become like him. And so with someone who's experienced the level of trauma that you have, I can only imagine some of the things that you walked through. And so Are there any things that you can think about like teenage, even adult years where something maybe triggered you and you really had to work back through like, no, I do belong to God. I am loved by God. I am his creation versus that nobody wants me.
1: Well, I'm just going to tell you, I'll be 53 in June and You're I still working work through, through it. that. Yeah. That's that's my, that when Satan, I'm feeling good and I've had a lot of success in ministry and I'm doing really good and people are getting saved and it's powerful and it's fun and it's cool and it's hard and it's exhausting and all of that. Right. And I can be feeling really secure within myself. Yep. And that's not always a bad thing because I do acknowledge that Jesus it's because of him. Right. So it's right. not, it's not being hoity toity, but I can be feeling good. And I feel like that is when Satan goes, oh, no, not today. And messes with me. And so I'm no different. Right. That's I worry right. about what I look like on camera. I worry, I mean, stupid stuff. I worry about, am I a good mom? That that's oh, one area yes. in my life that I never let myself off the hook and being a mom was a really big miracle in my life. Mm. Um, I, I didn't abuse my kids. I, I didn't hurt them in any way, mm-hmm. um, mentally, physically, I, br- I had them in church. They've had a mom and dad who've served Jesus their whole lives. I tried to do the right thing and I'm learning. I have grown kids now. One is 23, mm-hmm. one is 19 and they are their own people. That's just right. As Rick and I were just as you were, they have their own choices. This idea that you and I are in control is the biggest lie. We, we allow ourselves to believe.
0: I know. And it's
1: so Moms frustrating, are re- right? Yes. Ah, Moms are super bad at that. We think, okay, we're running the household. You know, we decide if we go to Christmas at grandma's, we do this, we do that. We, it's delusional to think we're in control. To answer your question, I still struggle with that. I can go and share my story and preach the gospel, share the gospel with a crowd of people and people get saved and I know that we don't save anybody. I'm, I'm not saying that I do but no I know feeling story, really really good though, and like it. this god I saw god use my story today I saw him use that and feeling really good in that and then I think you know what? I don't know if I said that right. I don't know if I did that right. I don't know if my response was correct. You know what? I should have done this. I should have put, and I start ripping it apart and women are so guilty of that. Men do it too, but women are especially hard on themselves doing that. And so I'm always looking for that. And, and the other side too, is I carry, and this is something I don't really talk about very much, but I carry a lot of people's stuff Mm. I carry husband's stuff with their wives. I carry wives stuff with their husbands. I carry teenager stuff with their parents and their boyfriends and their, I carry because why? Because I'm a safe to reach out to and share their stories with and share yeah. what's hurting them because that's my ministry. That's what I do. So they reach out to me and I carry a lot of people's stuff. Mm. As I've gotten older, I've learned, I've had to learn how to have set healthy boundaries for myself Um, when I speak to people, I don't let them go on and on. I I set time limits to it, but I had to, I learned that from, from one of my pastors that has a psychology degree. And he said, you're going to kill yourself if you do this. Well, yes, neuro overload. Yep. You're going to take two hours of your time when you could talk, they could say it in 30 minutes or less. You need to do that. So stuff like that I've learned. Um, but I still doubt myself. I still think, and it's the thread, like Rick always tells me your story isn't a chick story, Sonia, your story is, I just want somebody to love me. Won't somebody really truly love me. And he said, I grew up in a Christian home. That's my husband. I grew up, but I never felt good enough. Yep. I wanted to be loved just for who I was. And he said, your story, that's the common thread. I that's just right. want to be loved. That's, the, that's really the power of the story because not everybody's going to have a story like mine, but everybody right. will have a story. And it's not a competition. That's the other thing people will say, Well, I don't have a testimony like yours. I hate that. I mean, I literally want to throw up when people say that to me. I know, me. I do too. Because I'm I like, say,
0: listen, be glad if you were raised in a place in a, where that where you, you were loved.
1: Bon- That's right. I yes. would kill for that. And, and in fact, <laughs> I'll even say to my boys, you have no idea. Yeah. Mom could go to prison and I would thrive. You boys who have grown up and don't have any street smarts would not do well in prison. And we just <laughs> laugh hysterically over that because it's kind of true. Like mom could rule that place because I yeah. had to, I'm, I'm scrapper. Like I had to learn that I'm being silly. I probably couldn't handle it, but I'm just, you know what I mean? It's like, I do know what you mean. Praise the Lord that my kids never had That's right. that. That's right. Their hardest thing was if they could, if their friend would let them play dodgeball or not, like their hardest thing, you know what I mean? And so praise the Lord for that. That's, That's right. a praise, right? That, that is so. a praise.
0: Well, and I mean, your salvation story may not be this big. But you never know too, what may happen in your life down the road. I mean, I've seen some people who they're like, we had nothing ever happened to us. And then, <laughs> oh my gosh, this happened. And it's like, not that that's the only thing God can use, but God does. I mean, he uses everything from mm-hmm. the tragic story to the, no, I mean, I grew up in a safe place. My parents weren't perfect, but they apologized and they loved me. And that was awesome,
1: you yeah. know. And how much faith does it take to follow Jesus longer? I know. Okay, so you grew up Amen. in a Christian <laughs> home, and you got you you asked Jesus in your heart at seven. Uh, it's not a competition because guess what, folks? If it's a competition, Jesus wins. He had no sin; he did nothing wrong, and everybody who said they loved him betrayed him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they turned. He back, wins. If if we're gonna have the my life is the hardest game, he wins because i'm telling you my story's hard. Hello? I lived it. I totally know it's hard, right? I lived it. There are so many stories like mine. Yeah. 1 in 4 girls, 1 in 6 boys have been sexually hurt by the time they're 18 years old. It's 1 really in 4 for girls, 1 in 6. So let's let's just bring this into perspective. And the and the bottom line, hurt hurts. Mm. It doesn't matter what kind of hurt Mm-hmm. If you get hurt, it hurts you. So there's no competition here. The other part of it, too. I love being a guest on on podcasts. I just think it's cool. It's fun. I know it is because fun. you get to reach people that you just would never get to sit down at dinner with, right? And mm-hmm. so I love that aspect of it. But people need to remember that part of my story is this much.
0: Yeah, it's small. What
1: God has done and is continuing to do is this much. Okay, yeah. and that is the beauty of who Jesus Christ is. He takes this mess and makes it something not in and of ourselves, but makes, gets, we get to, we get to be on the team. We get to see God do miracles every day. And so uh, people always say, well, you're so sold out to Jesus. I really am. He saved me from a lot. Yeah. <laughs> he saved me from a lot. I mean, I was a mess. He literally saved me from so many things. And so I had a lot to be forgiven of. I I don't know people say, well, what would you be doing if you weren't doing this? I have no idea. I literally it's my heartbeat. It's my passion to share Jesus with people. And so, yeah, I just don't know what I would be doing.
0: Well, so how did you decide on 50 shades of grace? Like I just love that. It's such a great
1: name. Thank you. I, okay. So I would love to take credit for it, but I i, I mean, it's brilliant. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. It's brilliant. So uh, in 2014, I got really sick for a week. I don't remember what it was, but I was really sick. Um, I don't get sick a lot and I got sick and I was in bed, not eating and God began to stir my heart and deal with some things about my marriage. Um, yeah. Some idolatry that I had going on in my life, just some really like eye-opening things, some abuse parts of my story that I hadn't um, given to him. Mm-hmm. yeah I was like we're like a butt kick and deal with crud boot camp that was yeah. probably the first one was mine <laughs> and I remember I journal a lot that just helps me I'm a writer I process Same. I processed a lot with writing and I was writing all this down which I'm so thankful for now because I look back and I think oh god you're so good but he gave me the the name this is what you're gonna do you're gonna go to Rick and you're gonna get this right with him okay you're gonna give him you're, there's some stuff you've been holding back from him you're gonna give it to him uh, What are you talking about? So I had to be obedient for that. And he wouldn't let go of it. Like I had to do. That's funny about Jesus. He won't let go. Oh no. He loves us enough to not leave us where we are. Mm -hmm. What we all deserve is hell, but he didn't. He loves us enough to not leave us there. That's right. We have to trust him. And not not just
0: like literal hell, but like hell on earth. I mean, that's it. That's the thing. Sometimes Sometimes I'm like, listen, Christ is so much more than just salvation for eternity. Like, and that's it. That would be enough.
1: Yes, exactly. But He's
0: also, he wants to set us free from our hell now. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yes. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I love that. And and so yeah, he, I had some stuff to deal with, but in that week I I he had given me specifically the name. I had had been doing ministry forever. And he changed it completely. He said you're going to do this, you're going to you're going to host your own show and you're going to change your website, you're going to change all the stuff and this is what you're going to focus on. And it was then I wrote the words 50 shades of grace and I was like, "Are you insane?" dude, what are you doing to me? The Christians are going to, I mean, I'm going to be burned at the stake over this. This is not (laughs) cool. Like this is not good. And I have heard so much junk from people who are Christians that say you're glamorizing, you're, you're highlighting the world and you're glamorizing it. And you're selling goods in the temple, basically making money off of what the world is selling and twisting it to make it for Jesus. First of all, I'm not wealthy at all. Um, (laughs) I work hard. I have like 50 jobs just to, so I can keep doing ministry. And so does Rick. That's just our, that's our heart. We're going to keep working Mm -hmm. until he tells us not to. So number one, we're not wealthy people. Number two, I am not smart enough nor cool enough to come up with something so brilliant as that title. And then the movies and the books and all that. I mean, I think I mean, the books might have been out, but I just, I do not know like, that all that stuff came out. And so I I look back on that and I think you are so good. And mm-hmm. it got really popular after that. And when I looked up on the internet, there was nothing with that name. Now there's several sermon <laughs> titles that there's, there's several things with that, but it doesn't matter. I mean, I've literally been doing this since 2014. We relaunched the website, everything, and it's just been crazy fun. Well, and when you think though,
0: about 50 shades of grace, like, what do you actually, what comes to mind? Cause when I hear that, yes, I mean, I hear that it's kind of trendy and it's a spinoff, but I mean, I really think about grace and how yeah. cool it is that there are different types of grace that we, is poured into our lives. Some daily, some circumstantial, some, etern- I mean, all of these things. So what do you think about when you hear shades of grace?
1: Well, I actually wrote one of my first blog articles on the new website was entitled why 50 shades of grace. And here's what he told my heart. And I am a mess, right? I'm a mess uh, filled with sin. Some of the crud happened to me. Some of it I chose for myself, right? So this is who we are as human beings, flawed, sinful, fleshy. And what God does is he takes those shades and he makes it this canvas. That's beautiful. In spite of the ugly sin and that. He, he makes us this beautiful thing when we surrender and get real and, and be be honest with him. For me, I have no idea what the author of the other stuff wanted to convey or was trying to convey. And I, I honestly do not um, have any judgment or anything about any of that stuff, the world stuff. What I will say about, for me, is part of that title is... This is what the world says is cool. This is what the world says is important. Mm -hmm. 50 Shades of Grace is a complete opposite to what the Mm -hmm. world is saying with firsthand knowledge of this is what's bad and this is what's good. And the common thread is grace. And that grace Mm -hmm. comes from Jesus and it's not just 50 shades, it's 5,000 shades, right. it's 5 million shades, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But at least 50, at least, <laughs> at least right. 50, at least 50. Right. And so that, that for really is the heart behind it. And again, I haven't met anyone who hasn't struggled in their life or hasn't made bad choices or whatever. I mean, I haven't met anyone and 99% of the people that, that I work with that reach out to me, share their stories, share their heart are struggling because they have crud that they haven't dealt with yeah and part of the shades of grace is the crud that happens to us or that we've chosen it could just layer it just adds layer upon layer right and when jesus gets a hold of that then it becomes this beautiful thing that we never even saw coming we didn't even know that could exist but he did That's right. And that's the beauty of it. You know, Um, choosing his way, as opposed to what our, our flesh or the world says, yeah, but this is really cool over here. It's choosing his way and then watch what he does. Yeah. That's kind of the, I think the biggest, coolest part of my story is watch what he does. He's just such a, well, and I
0: think too, like, uh, when I think of shades, I almost think of this canvas like you were talking about that I mean, he is coloring with his grace over time. And that just adds a depth to the beauty, right? Because like you were talking about earlier, with trauma that just can trigger you back into something. And then you have to start working through, like, oh, dang it. I thought we were over that, you know? Right, but right. but yep. the Lord in his kindness. Well, a lot of times walk us back through things to show us like, well, no, we really need to still kind of flesh this out. And, mm-hmm. you know, he, he does. He just keeps painting on um, his grace and his kindness that we sometimes don't even recognize.
1: Absolutely. I call those, I call those moments duct tape moments. And I've had several <laughs> over the years that he rips the duct tape off now. Now, Lord, now, now we're going to deal with it. We're going to talk about this. Yeah, There's some stuff that. way. D- yep. We're, we're going to talk about some stuff that's way buried, way down deep. Mm-hmm. Um, one of those moments for me is when my oldest was born. My first child was born. I really doubted my ability. I was really scared to have a baby because I didn't want to hurt it. Like I had yeah. been hurt. And just the, the thought that I could be what she was, was really um, what my mother was, was really debilitating, yeah. to be honest with you. Yeah. And it was my sweet husband that said, you know you are the mom, specifically you, that he chose for these kids. And it really has stuck with me all these years, because that's true. He's not a dummy. He doesn't make mistakes, right? Um, And the other thing was, when he came into the world, I remember they took him to the the nursery, wherever they put him, and they took him away. And I sat there crying, and I was alone I think in the restroom or something and I cried and cried and cried and it was the grief of why didn't I have somebody crying for me when I was Mm -hmm. born wanting me so desperately so in love with me so prayerfully prayed over me before I even came into the world why didn't I have that God why didn't I get that Mm -hmm. that was a duct tape moment I had to deal with that hurt again right
0: yeah because the reality is if you're Mm -hmm. the chosen the perfect chosen mom for your kids then your mom is that for you? And that's oh, a hard so thing to wrestle with, right? So like-
1: good. Yes. So good. And and even in my story, you know, when I'm sharing that's a, that's so good. I've never heard that phrase like that before. That's really good. Um, even in my story, I'll say, you know, Jesus was without sin. He had every reason to, you know, not forgive yeah. us. And I go through this whole list of things that Jesus did. He could have come and, and summoned the angels and said, get me out of here. Yeah. These people aren't worth it. Why did he do it? Why did he hang on the cross? Why did he take it? Why did he, why did he just h- hung on there and took it? Why for a little girl who was being raped and tortured by a man and men and for the girl who was being beaten by her mother
0: yeah,
1: and for that man mm-hmm. that raped and tortured the girl and the woman who beat her child. Mm-hmm. And there's always this gasp in the room when I share that it's the truth. And that's hard. It and people hard. say, how could you, how could you follow a God that would, that you're okay with that? to be totally honest with you, I don't know no, how I'm okay with it. It's in yeah. my, it's a piece in my, in my gut. It's a piece in my heart that transcends everything. I've forgiven my mother. I've forgiven the man that hurt me. I forgave the men. I, I had to work on that. It wasn't just yeah, a flip, right. a flippant. I don't say that flippantly. Um, people say, well, Sonia, how do you forgive? How do you move on? I just can't move on. I'm mad at my parents. I'm what my siblings, whatever it is, my spouse And I always say forgiveness, and this is what I've really learned, is forgiveness means that you look at the pain. You really look at it. Nobody wants to do that because they think, I don't want to go back there. I'm I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Are you really? Because I don't think you're fine. You're not responding Mm -hmm. in a fine way, right? And so you look at the pain, you look at it, and then you release them from the debt that you think they owe you. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And that's what Jesus did for me. Yeah. I owed him a debt for my sin.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I mean, did those men that raped me, did they owe me something? I mean, at least I'm I'm sorry. Right. They owe me something. Did my mother owe me something? Yeah, she did. Yes, absolutely. So I had to look at that, feel how that felt, work through it. And you keep working through the crud. You keep doing that until it doesn't cause you to respond in a way that's harmful to yourself or to others. Mm -hmm. And when you're ready, you release them, from the debt that they owe you. Mm -hmm. Just like when we hurt people, they do that. They should do that for us too.
0: Well, and let me ask you a question as we begin to close up here. Did you ever have any more interactions with your mom ever again?
1: Yes, that's a great question. Yes. So my precious mother-in-law bought me calling cards. And sometimes my mom had a lot of mental illness that was discovered after the fact, after I was out of the home and removed And she would call the foster home because that's the last known number she had of where her daughter lived. And this is years ago, you know, I'm, I'm old. I'm in my thirties and 40s. like she would call. And my mother-in-law got me a calling card because what would happen is my birth mom would reach out to the foster family. The foster family would then let me know because they wouldn't give out my name or my number for safety. They wouldn't give it out, which is great. I always appreciated that. And I had a choice to make to call or to not call. And so I would pray through it and I, and it would be like, you need to call. And this is like, this happened maybe five times in my whole adulthood. Right. Yeah. Where, I, where I talked to her. The only time I ever saw her was three months after I was removed from the home, the foster care system had, she wanted a visit and they had me go spend the night, which is a shock after what? the level of abuse I had suffered. And I went spend the night and you know what she had me do. She had me throw away every childhood book, every toy. Oh. She made me do it as a form torture or abuse or hurtfulness. And I was throwing myself away in the trash. So I never saw her again. But I did talk to her five times. And on the last call that I ever talked to her, Rick got to hear her voice. He said, you guys sound so much alike. It's weird. It's so weird. I'm like, I know, isn't that weird? And he was listening in. And she was talking and she said, I met a I met a man. She always had a man in her life because that's how she felt love. And he's taken me to church. And I said, Oh, that's really good. As long as they share the Bible. That's the main thing is that they tell you the Bible, teach you the Bible. That's the main thing. And Rick is listening to this whole conversation. And she's like, yeah. And she said, I've been working hard and he takes me out to eat. He treats me really good. And I'm sorry I hit you. And, um, it's been really fun. And I've been working hard and Rick and I looked at each other across the room. And I was like, Oh my word. Like that's
0: the so first many time. victims,
1: so many victims don't, don't get an apology. Mm-hmm. No, And in her mental illness or her mindset, I don't know what, where, what she knows and what she doesn't. She certainly is fully responsible. That's not what I'm saying, but I don't right. know. I've been out of the home and I'm an adult living my own life. I have no idea what is going on up here. Right. With her. That's right. So for her to say that, that was real to her. I'm sorry. I hurt you. I'm sorry. I hit you.
0: It is a big deal because a lot of It's times, a big like, deal. And if it's like a narcissistic person, I mean, you don't get that apology a lot of
1: times. I know. So. And so like, that was a big, that I was really thankful to Jesus. That was a sweet little mm-hmm. thing that he gave me that little gift. Um, I never did talk to her again. I found out in 2016, she had passed in 2013. Okay. So I, I never, I never knew that, but she has passed away.
0: Well, let's close with this. Your show is Crud Talk. Tell everybody where they can find your show and a little bit what they could expect.
1: So Crud Talk has been, I've been doing a Facebook live video podcast for two years. And I've always known that I wanted to take it to the next, a different level. And my speaking engagements, I speak all over to all different groups. Um, I do girls conferences. I do pastor conferences because a lot of pastors want to know, you know, how do we deal with these women or these kids that are in our congregation? That's so um, mature and responsible actually. And so I do all kinds of stuff. I do CRUD boot camps all over the country. Um, I've done one in Africa. It's really fun. That's cool. Helping people deal with their CRUD. And so CRUD Talk came out of that. Let's talk, let's have a weekly show where we talk about CRUD. It's not always the doom and gloom. It can be CRUD. Like how do you raise kids? In how do culture. You, Yes. How <laughs> do you, let's deal with some not, let's deal with some marriage CRUD. We do a lot of marriage CRUD. Let's deal with family CRUD the family dynamics. Um, Let's deal with in-laws. Let's deal with, I mean, we talk about it. Let's deal with friendships, good, healthy, unhealthy, right? Right. So crud talk is about crud and it can be different topics. It it doesn't have to be sexual abuse or physical abuse, Right. although that does come up. So, so heavy. Yes. It's not always about that. It could just be, I'm not really liking my husband this week. So like, how can God change my heart on that? And then we laugh, the girls and I, we laugh or Whoever the guest is. And so you can go to my website, sonabruner.com, and you can check out there's past episodes there. I have 117 episodes of Crud Talk. The cool thing that I haven't talked a lot about, people don't know is happening, is there is a group here in Oklahoma that is has decided they've come forward and they're going to shoot my story. Nice. On film. And I've been, it's a dream of mine to do that. Um, A lot of people ask me, are you gonna write a book? Are you gonna write a book? I love it because I'm a writer, but God hasn't ever like given me the green light to do it. So I don't want to do it until he gives me the green light, but sharing my story is what I do. And so the cinematographer that's doing it is incredible. He's a great filmmaker. And so we actually shoot my story on on June 2nd. Oh, that's the initial. So it's coming up. Yeah. I'm really excited because to be able to share put this on film as a like a, a mini documentary if you will to be able to put it on film and just share other pieces that I don't mm-hmm. normally share when I go out and speak is going to be really cool and not only that but I think of missionaries um, I have so many stories people write to me there was a prostitute in Thailand who had, was with an American man he went to take a shower when they were done and she stole his bible in his cash she went home and they were looking up the movie 50 shades of gray and they got me and my face, surprise, surprise, oh my she reached out to me and I have that software that you can translate the, the, yeah, yeah. the language. And she said, if he can save you for all you did, can he save me too? And she got saved. Wow. So it's just really, I have story after story. So we, to be able to take that and send it abroad where I could never go, I'll, it is going to go places that I could never go. And what God will do with that is so incredible.
0: Well, thank you so much for being here with me today. I love the way, honestly, that you see people with hard stories all the time, but the way that you are allowing God to use your hard and your good is, um, it's just, it's an encouragement as a fellow sister in Christ. So thank you.
1: Oh, I love that. Thank you. Thanks for all you do too.
0: If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend and take a moment to rate and review the podcast on your favorite listening app. Thank you for listening
1: to the Grace Enough podcast. Tune in next time.